Over the past decade, the stock market has received all the attention and praise from investors, and with good reason. Over the past decade, the stock market has been one of the biggest wealth creators and one of the biggest benefactors of loose and accommodative monetary policy of central bankers and governments across the globe as they worked vigorously to fight deflation. Now, these central banks and governments are faced with a new threat, the threat of inflation. And this is a game changer for central banks, for monetary policy, market cycles, and more importantly, for the way investors may need to diversify and allocate their investments to continue to build wealth over the next handful of years. With these seismic shifts, savvy investors are starting to ask, what are my alternatives? And what if the stock and bond markets go into periods of stagnation like they did in the 70s or even the last decade in the 2000s? Where else can I consider investing to get income and growth if I'm retired? Welcome to Quiver Financials. Investors know your alternatives. I'm Colby McFadden, and I'm joined with Justin Singletary, Patrick Moorhead. Gentlemen, as you know, the past year, there's been incredible changes, big shifts, decades-long changes happening. We had a decade-long bull market. Things seem to be shifting. We got all this inflation going on, worries of reflection. Or, I'm sorry. <laughs> we got all this inflation going on, worries of recession. And it's like the genie's out of the bottle. Like the central banks worked so hard for so long to create inflation, and now, boom, we've got it. And it's now they feel like they, it's out of control, right? That's what you're reading. That's what you're seeing. We're getting all kinds of questions about in this landscape, what what do I do? Because the last time I checked the history books, things like inflation and recessions, they usually aren't very kind to investors. Um, and if we gauge that by the stock and the bond market, which is what everybody's invested in, right? Like, like what is what have people done the last ten years? They've piled into stocks and bonds. And if that's how you judge whether it's a bear market or bull market, what do you do now? If, if, if stocks and bonds aren't the wealth creator, potentially not the wealth creator of the future like they were in the past, what are the alternatives that we as investors have if we want to create income, if we want to see growth in our portfolios? So let's first start by talking about what an alternative investment is, give people some examples so they have just a high-level view of, of what we're talking about. Yeah, you, and you say that, you know, check in the history books. You know, back in the day, alternatives weren't alternatives. They were the norm. It was stocks and bonds that were really the alternatives. As the stock market started generating and everything, they were really, you know, for the wealthy and, and in that type of regards. Nowadays, put it simply, an alternative is an investment that puts money in the investor's pocket, rather than in Wall Street's pocket. And that's why Wall Street kind of bashes them because they don't get any of that revenue, they don't get any of that, you know, profit income or things like that. So it's any type of investment that is not correlated to the stock market. You know, we kind of alluded to it it's real estate, it's doing loans, it's businesses, um, you know, like private equity and things like that that are pretty common in the alternative space. Yeah. So, so yeah. So basically in the alternative space, you have anything from private equity, you people consider real estate an alternative yeah. mortgage lending you know mortgage becoming lending. the bank type of deal <clears throat> yeah uh venture capital another venture one capital. okay 
Um, and and so what you're talking about, Patrick, is basically just that there's the, the main focus of an alternative is the lack of correlation to the stock market's ups and downs or the bond market's Well, ups that's and downs, how mainly one. that Wall Street identifies it, yeah, sure. that it's it's not tied to the stock market. So if, you know, in this bear market when everything's going down in the stock market and Wall Street's, you know, crashing – Typically, the alternative investments are going to keep performing. They're not going to have the effect until it, if it trickles down into the economy, then that's where it's going to have an effect. But if the stock market fluctuates, your alternatives won't fluctuate with it. They're going to have their own little sector industry fluctuations. Got it. You mean like the price of the, the investment is yeah. going to be more stable as there's greater volatility in things like the stock market, right. things of that nature. Yep. Okay. Although with way inflation is particularly real estate investments might be a little bit uh, getting some of that impact. Sure, sure. I mean, I'd imagine like all investments, you still have to do your due diligence and and, and be smart and tactical and strategic in the sense mm-hmm. that that there's times you know a lot of people consider gold um, or or metals right yeah. a commodity is an alternative and and there's times to own that and not. And, and that's the number one factor that investors always have to consider is that, that when they hear people talking about things is, okay, is it the right cycle? Because as you mentioned, Patrick, earlier, um, alternatives was what people used to always do. Like in the 70s, you know, that was the only way of investing because it was hard to get access. Stocks for, for the rich people. Right, um, and now that seems to have flipped, where stocks and bonds are for the the everyday average Joes, and now these alternatives are are for the rich people. Yeah. So, so I mean, so outside of of the correlation factor, how 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 can an alternative help in a an investment portfolio? Like like how how can it be used inside of an investment portfolio in times of inflation or recession if somebody's trying to create income or growth? So reduced correlation, biggest one, like you'd mentioned, um, you know, so there's no, you don't have that direct tie. The only problem is it's illiquid. Um, but yeah, you got, you can create cash flow, get more market depth and breadth with uh, to a portfolio's diversification. Um, and sometimes the returns can be uh, substantial in a, in a, you know, certain, c- certain period of time or window of time. Um, if you nail the right one, yeah. like everything. I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's the what-if game, right? right? But, you know, I well, mean, go ahead. Patrick. Well, typically they have tax benefits, you know, associated to them, especially the real estate side and stuff like that. And, and you know, as we talked about at the top about inflation, you know, real assets typically keep up with inflation. So they're an inflation hedge to whereas the stock market is getting hammered with inflation and things like that. Yeah, I mean, like I've always been concerned, like like with some of the alternatives, because sometimes there's such big minimums, like you have to have, like have that it's really just for the uber wealthy and the rich. So, you know, are there ways that you can invest so that way you don't have to put big chunks of money? Can can you build a small portfolio of alternatives? Let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars. Can you build a portfolio of alternatives of ten? Ten thousand dollar chunks sure. of different things. Like yeah, that. and we do that for clients kind of all the time. It's because it's we're trying to open it up to the masses type of deal and and diversification, so spreading that money out. 
So that's that's what somebody could do within their portfolios. Essentially, if they're if they're looking at their bond portfolio that they're trying to generate income from, they could look at the alternative space and say, okay, what's an alternative? Uh, like, uh, what what's a piece of real estate? What's a um, what what what's a, a lending portfolio or a, a group of loans or something like that that can create income? Um, at a time that I need income when maybe the you know interest rates are rising and my bond portfolio is taken on water. Well, and you talk about income, and that's why we like alternatives so much because as you get closer to retirement and in retirement, you have to supplement your income, right? You're now on a fixed income, they say. Well, the bond market during this time period is not going to benefit you for that. So, And the stocks, sure, you can invest in dividend-paying stocks, but the problem with that is when if you have a $10 stock and it pays a $0.20 cent dividend, well, now your stock price on the dividend date drops down to 980. So you have loss in value and price, and sure, it should come back, you know, in, through accretion and stuff like that. But you don't know that that's going to happen. And whereas with the alternatives, it's paying cash flow, supplementing your income, and that cash flow is coming from the operation of whatever that strategy is. It's not coming from the price. So cash flow is a huge key in the alternatives to try and help you supplement your income. Yeah. Because essentially you're you're a partner in that business right. and you're getting some of the cash flow off of it from whatever the operation um, is. Yeah, so it sounds like an investor can can basically diversify their portfolio um, in ways that aren't correlated to the public markets. Because one thing I learned in 2000, also in 2008, in both those bear markets in recessionary times, is that when you go into a bear market, everything in the public markets, which is traded on an exchange, they all correlate. And I mean, everything basically goes down except for maybe the dollar. You all know, the, boats on the ocean. Yeah. So, all, yeah. The, when the tide goes out, all boats go lower. Um, and so that's where <clears throat> allocating some things to alternatives that aren't tied to that that public market liquidity factor comes in comes in handy. So okay. Well, so and it, it's not just you know the you got to have alternatives or you got to have stocks and bonds like this is every investor is going to have a different allocation different amount That's this a great is just point. a portion of your portfolio to kind of help you know diversify away from some of that volatility when you get into retirement or close to sure. retirement sure yeah it's not either or it's right. it's, 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 it's this is one of the tools within your quiver of tools that you have so now now here this which which brings up that point is is one of the reasons you don't put all your eggs in one basket is what are the risks you know like Justin you mentioned earlier the illiquid you know some people listening to this may not know what illiquid means you know so so tell me the risks of alternatives and and what are the things people would need to think about um, as far as okay what's the downsides you want to tell them what illiquid is and I'll tell you why I think that's still an advantage okay <laughs> so. <laughs> Illiquid investments are things that you cannot go and sell immediately. Like, for instance, if you go and buy Apple today, you can go and sell Apple tomorrow and get your money back depending on the price. Um, you know, could be the same, could be more, could be less. When you invest in an alternative, your money is tied up for the time frame that the investment uh, has. So they'll give you a parameter or a set time frame. It could be five years, could be seven years. And that's when they look to liquidate the fund and then give you your money back or your principal amount with probably some sort of boosters or upside if they have those. Got it. So it's kind of like if you go into an alternative investment that's investing into real estate and, you know, it's like if you called the owner up of that house and said, give me the money, they'd have to sell the house. Yep. So, so you're basically waiting for that asset 
to get liquidated before you can get your money back as the investor. So you have to make sure that money that goes into something that would be an illiquid alternative is money that that you don't need to use in that particular time frame. Yeah. And and why I feel that the illiquidity aspect is an advantage is taking an investor's emotions out of investing is one of the hardest jobs that we have. And if you have a stock that is plummeting, they can call you up and be like, sell that stock, sell that stock, even though we think that's probably not a good decision. Whereas these, sell, I want to sell this, you know, the market is crashing. Okay, great, but this investment's not crashing. And even if the price fluctuates, you can't sell it. So it removes that emotion aspect of it, which allows the investment to perform the way it's supposed to. Forces sticky hands. Right. And you talked about risk. You know, risk is very specific to the investor. And so I feel that the stock market is riskier than alternatives. You know, Justin might you know have a different opinion. So it's it's got to be very tied to the investor what sure. they feel is risky. So I don't think they're any more risky in my opinion than stocks or bonds or anything like that. I feel like they're actually more risk averse to volatility and all that type of stuff. So it, it becomes very specific. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's that everybody's risk is different. You know. I would just add that to uh, an objection to your illiquidity would be that, yes, though you are right in the sense of removing part of the investor's emotional um, aspect, it also enhances over time because I don't know about you, when you've reached five years, six years, seven years, and these guys haven't started liquidating, they're like, hey, where's my principal? When am I going to be getting my money back? That's where we come in and we do the proper job to find these investments (laughs) that do not do that. Well, and that's also part of that diversification factor is that that shouldn't be an issue if 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 somebody's not overly invested in any one particular thing. So I think that's the big factor for everybody is is you got to do your own due diligence. You got to you got to be comfortable with what risks you're willing to take or not. I I think that's the hardest for a lot of people is they don't really know what risk is. and, And that's where our jobs come in is to help give people the right guidance um well and and letting them know that you know you have a time frame of the investment but they're looking out for the investor's best interest too so i mean if we have a downturn in the economy or a downturn in that industry obviously they're they would rather wait it out to be able to get good price appreciation than fire sale the assets just to hit their time frame mark so that's where yeah spreading out multiple even multiple alternatives inside your portion are going to allow those to kind of liquidate one by one over yeah. time. There again, any investment that has multiple year time frame, you should not be putting money in that you're going to need it back out because right. the, the surest way to create a loss is to get sold, is to be forced into selling at a bad time. Yep. And, and we've seen that in my 25 years of doing this, there's been multiple times I've seen investments that people sold on one day that if they would have waited two, three years later, they would have been selling at a much better price. Um, so a lot of it's just circumstantial um, and making sure that you know you don't get put in those bad circumstances. Well, go ahead. Oh, one last thing that I think is probably really important when it comes to alternatives and just being around some of the ones I've seen over the last five, six, seven years now is doing your due diligence on the guy or the person who's running it, the operator. Sure. Are they going to be able to hit their benchmarks and hit certain things and their goals? Because there's been a lot of cases where you get a lot of guys that will come out and give you a whole bunch of... Uh, fluff and that they're going to take care of all of these things and do all of these things. And then it just turns out that the operation, the, the investment itself was not a bad investment. The operator was can be a problem. Yeah. I mean, you say that and that's great. I love, you're absolutely dead right. But the problem is that I see in that is that 
everyday average Joe that comes in and sits down at his broker's office or whatever, he doesn't know shit. He doesn't, he doesn't know how long that, I mean, like, okay, sure. I, I've been around 25 years. I, I've been to enough conferences over the last 25 years to see what guys are there every single year. So yeah, I can identify the people that are like, hey, you know what? They've been doing the same business the same way in the same place for decades. Okay. I trust that guy. I'll work with him, right? Because yep. he's, done the same thing in the same place for the same t- that's a, a business person yep. I want to deal with um, so I just think as, as a consumer uh, it, that's where your advisor comes into the factor yes. is that is that experience matters because the only way that you know that one of these alternative investments or a stock or a bond any investment whatsoever is if the operators have been doing the same thing in the same place for a long period of time if you find that okay then then you know you're you're probably gonna gonna make me a little more of a fan well and that's why i bash these crowdfunding alternatives you you know all the time because that's just it's it's one they get away with you know offer in the moon, you know, and, and they don't deliver anything. But two, you don't know that their track record. They're just Joe Blow coming into the space because they see a run up in apartment buildings. So they're like, I want to get into it. And it, that it just, it's been proven that that doesn't work. So. You know what happens to people in a crowd? They get ran over. They get trampled. <laughs> right? Being in the crowd is not the way to invest. Right? That's true. That's that's to keep it that Watch way. Watch a Walmart so. video on Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad Walmart crew. All right. All right. So let's wrap this up because essentially um, alternative investments, guys, as we covered, it's, it's anything that's not correlated to the stock or the bond market. It's not in public markets. So it could be real estate. It could be loans. It could be hedge funds. It could be private equity. Um, it could be investment banking where you're investing in private uh, enterprises at an early stage. Um, the risks, a lot of these things are illiquid, so you definitely don't want to put all your money into one place. You need to find ways to diversify it, just like you do with all investments. Um, but the advantages are really that that you can balance out a portfolio is basically what you guys were saying, is that that you can you can take a portfolio that is normally correlating up and down with the stock and bond market and maybe create some anchors in, in, in times when those performances of the stock and bond market aren't so great. Um, so you can reduce correlation, you can increase income, things of that nature. So I think with that, it's it's worthwhile for people to investigate more. And it's been a long time. It's been a really long time since investors have had to think about investments other than the stock and bond market as a way to create wealth. In fact, most investors today, they were just pure glimmers in their parents' eyes, right? When when the last time that we had a bear market or we had inflation. I mean, the, the last time people had to deal with inflation was the 70s, really. I mean, it is, so like most people investing today haven't really had to do, deal with that. Luckily, we have. We've been there. We've gone through this. Um, and like, you know, optimizing a portfolio is really all about making sure that you can maximize what's going on in the market cycles. And so if alternatives is another way that you can do that um, while markets are rough, it's worth checking out. So if you're interested in knowing whether alternative investments are right for your portfolio, then visit the quiverfinancial.com website and set up a conversation with us, and we'll be happy to tell you everything that we know.